welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Stephen Universe Band Podcast. This is episode 75, and today I will be talking about Mirror Gem. And yes, you heard right, it is just me today. I'm GC13. So, Mirror Gem was quite the big episode, quite the big event for uh, for all of us. It was the mid-season pre-finale of Stephen Universe Season 1. And, oh, I, I very happily remember the big big build up for this one uh you you've heard me say this say this before about the early steven universe episodes but we didn't know what we were getting into at this point or at least i didn't know you know you know for a for a lore hound i, I appear to have very bad pattern recognition so i didn't realize the tropes that were going to be being bucked in steven universe i kind of i kind of thought the lapis would be freed from the mirror like she turned out to be but I assumed that she would end the episode, returned to the mirror. You know, that's how you would expect it to happen in a traditional cartoon. The most status quo way to kind of amend the status quo. So, you know, maybe they would make a reference to a magic mirror once or twice later in the series. And, you know, that would be a cool little callback for fans who watch every episode. Oh yeah, I remember that happened in Mirror Gem and Ocean Gem, but... Of course, what we got was Lapis Lazuli flying off to Homeworld. And while she most likely didn't change anything, I mean, the red eye not returning a message of the crystal gems caused Peridot to show up, and it doesn't seem that they got much information from Lapis except for where exactly on the planet the crystal gems were. So most of the stuff probably would have happened otherwise without Lapis, but. You can't see me gesturing, but it's like I'm trying to find the words for just how big it was for there to be another gem running around. And then, of course, Peridot, and then Jasper, and now we've seen one other pearl and one other diamond, and then we've seen flashbacks of another diamond and another pearl. But this... This was, a, this was a more innocent time for me as a fan of the show. It was a more innocent time for the series in the kind of episodes it was doing. This was back when they were still doing Monster of the Week. And Steven was still so young and so innocent, never asking follow-up questions of Connie. <laughs> ah, he has, he has grown, hasn't he? As, as an aside, I, I love... Stephen and Pearl bringing all that stuff in from the outside, not from the temple, from the outside door. So they probably raided the storage shed. I wouldn't be surprised if a sharp-eyed fan could comment and say, yeah, yeah, the, I think the body guy might have been in a background shot in the storage shed. I don't know. Very surprising, I found it, that Pearl is just one and done on her attempts to teach Stephen. She doesn't want to try any more to teach Steven once the mirror works. She's like, oh, well, that's, I've done all I can do. You know, I, I just, I just kind of would have expected better from Pearl. You know, she's the responsible mother. You know, she wants to educate her son or her godson or whatever relationship you want to, you know, however you want to describe their relationship. You know, she probably, you'd think she'd want to give him the best possible education. I mean, you saw how quick she was to Say, oh, here, I'll, I'll teach you sword fighting right now if that's what you want in Steven the Swordfighter. But when it comes to academics, I guess she was more worried about the mess they had made. We know how Pearl gets with messes and with asymmetry. More on that later. I did like Lars, you know, dreaming big 
maybe I'll get a phone number. Maybe I'll even call somebody. <laughs> it was kind of sad, though, when you... When Sadie comes in with her retort, she thinks that that is just as ridiculous as the thought of her making a friend. And, you know, you know everybody's laughing about it at the time. But, you know, that's, that's kind of sad because we all love Sadie. And, you know, Lars is there. So this, this, was, this was another appearance of Mayor Dewey. And just like in Cat Fingers, this was not Mayor Dewey at his best at the, I know at this point in the series, I kind of assumed that Mayor Dewey was was a bad egg. I mean, I, I, I we had only seen a bit of him, and he was being pretty mean in a bunch of it. I didn't realize that Lars and the cool kids and joking victim were the ones where he, him showing his stuff as a mayor. I didn't know that, that that was Mayor Dewey setting the bar. And his wonderful speech. How can we forget the speech on the beach? I wonder if he intended for that to rhyme, or who knows. Because, you know, there, there there were a few points in the first half of season one where they could have put in a fart joke, especially in Lion 2, the movie, when Steven was straining to activate the armory's controls. They could have easily put a fart, a fart sound in there, and they resisted the urge. They did not put a fart sound in there, and I commended them for it, but... We realized in this episode that the reason that there were no fart sounds anywhere else in the season is because they had put them all in Mirror Gem, and I think it was an excellent use. It might have been the whole series allotment of farting, in fact, and I, I think that would be for the better, but you do have to wonder if Mayor Dewey, like, even read that speech aloud or read it to anybody, because you think somebody would be like, man, Dad, come on. The wisdom of Buck was uh, apparently not available for Mayor Dewey. But Stephen and Lapis were there to brighten the event for everybody, or almost everybody. If you watch the audience, pretty much everyone is laughing, except for Petey and Ronaldo in the front row. And I like to think that Petey thinks that everybody's awfully immature for laughing at a fart, and Ronaldo just doesn't understand why it's funny. Then you see it looks like Nanafua's hair, and it's not moving, so either they forgot to animate her laughing, or maybe she's just upset that Steven stole her thunder. Maybe she wanted to do that, and Steven did it first. After after that, you know, when Steven and Lapis are talking, and you know, Steven starts bringing up multiple copies of Steven's, you know, maniacal, she makes the maniacal laugh out of Steven's laugh, and it's just, yeah, nothing ominous about that at all. Nothing whatsoever. I thought that was... Quite good foreshadowing, you know, it kind of makes us expect something a bit darker than what we got, but of course, you know, spoiler alert for Ocean Gem, I guess. Well, she was pretty dark in Ocean Gem, but mm, we'll get there next week. We'll get there next week. Back at the, back at the temple, or at least in the house, Pearl had done a quite good job organizing everything into a very nice tower. And this this was early series Amethyst, you know, kind of kind of has to be a jerk about it. And hey, Steven, check this out. And uh, goading Pearl into destroying more stuff in the house. I mean, she took out a toaster. I mean, that better have been the first thing that she destroyed, because you'd think that. I mean, toasters. Like, I guess they're not super expensive, but they still cost money. I mean, poor Greg. No wonder the guy lives in a van. Amethyst is getting Pearl to destroy everything and saying, "Greg, we need another toaster." But just more neurotic Pearl, 
I mean, really losing her stuff, coming so close after an indirect kiss, right after, in fact. It eh, made me worry a little bit. Of course, it wasn't until the week of Sardonyx that Pearl really started to come unglued, but I, I guess they foreshadowed it quite well here and in an indirect kiss. So when Stephen tells them about the mirror, I don't know how any of you expected it to go, but, you know, me, again, slow at pattern recognition, not realizing that we're breaking a lot of tropes, not realizing what I had gotten myself into being a fan of this show, I kind of expected them to go with the more traditional route of someone saying, oh, hey, this thing is talking to me, and have the, you know, adult figures, in this case the Crystal Gems, not believe him. Whereas in this, the Crystal Gems most definitely do believe him because they know what that artifact is and they know that if it's malfunctioning, there is a, you know, fully sapient gem in there that really probably doesn't want to be in there. So, of course, that worries them greatly. But Lapis does eventually relent. She, you know, she plays silent for a while and I guess she can see them and realize that they're not buying it. They're not buying the silent act. And, you know, she, she decides to go out on a fart joke for Steven. But if you think about it, that's actually a pretty smart move for her. Because, I mean, if she if she stays silent, there's Steven's going to have no complaints probably handing the mirror over to, over to them. At least I, I don't think that they would have had much trouble convincing them, Oh, Steven, it's just broken again here. We'll put it back into storage. Maybe someday we can fix it. And then... You know, never mention it again. Hopefully Stephen completely forgets. Or at least, you know, by the time he's older, he's old enough to have explained to him that, you know, we probably don't want to be talking to other gems. And, you know, that whole uneasy thing about, yes, that is a gem trapped in there. Maybe he'd be more ready for that. But the horror that... Well, maybe horror is the wrong word, but they, there was definitely a fear response from the Crystal Gems when Stephen when Stephen told them about Lapis being able to communicate with him. And that's kind of hard to read, or at least it is for me, what exactly they're so concerned about. I mean, obviously they don't want Stephen to know too much about gem history, but that's not the kind of fear from somebody... You know, who's afraid that their precious little baby is going to learn about warfare. This is clear and present danger kind of fear. But Pearl says, you know, we'll, we'll find out later in Ocean Gem, that Pearl didn't expect that Lapis would be as powerful as she was. So, I mean, without getting too philosophical on you guys, it strikes me almost as if the Crystal Gems have internalized a view of Lapis and any other gem that is stuck powering an object as a non-person, and they're kind of scared to see a non-person assert that, yes, I am actually a person, I am independent, I don't have to just follow orders, and you guys are wrong for keeping me trapped in here. And when she, when she gets out, she is quite angry with the crystal gems, but it's... I think the jury's out on whether... They are the ones responsible for trapping her in there. You would think that she would have complained that, you know, the Crystal Gems put me in here, but all she accuses them of is knowing she was in there. But it, it all gets really confusing because if 
all she's mad at them for doing is not releasing her, then basically we don't even know if this is a common practice on Homeworld or if this is something that Crystal Gems or maybe other rebel movements have used. I mean, she she might just be talking, you three knew I was in there, not not you guys. As the, or she specifically says, you three knew I was in there. She's not accusing any of the individual crystal gems we know of putting them in there, but she does recognize that crystal no crystal gem should free her. So, I mean, it's it's just hard. We know they found her at the Galaxy Warp, so... Uh, that is... That is a mystery, but the only other big scene from this episode is when Steven knocks Garnet's visor off, and we had already seen it in Arcade Mania, but that was just zoned out, focusing, you know, the rhythm has her mode. This was very angry Garnet to have been struck by Steven. She was very, very unhappy with that, and... Again, we're kind of wondering exactly what Pearl meant when she said, I'm sure he didn't understand what he was doing. Is she, is she talking about he doesn't understand what a danger the, you know, gem inside that mirror presents? You know, he just, he just thinks that he's helping somebody out. He, he doesn't know that, you know, he, at this point, he doesn't know that they're rebels. He doesn't know that anyone getting away to the homeworld could potentially do not just the crystal gems, but the whole the whole planet. I mean, not even the life on the planet. The planet itself would be turned into an admittedly very cool construction project, but one quite unlivable to any species. It, pretty much all life would be restricted to living in those spires that they like to construct, which must be pressurized since the gems seem to like to have a breathable atmosphere in there, I guess, because they like to communicate with sound. And it is very hard to talk in a vacuum in, in case in case none of you have uh, in case any of you out there have not tried to talk in a vacuum it is rather difficult to you know do speech without without air i mean it doesn't have to have oxygen but apparently the gems like to keep a a good mix of oxygen in there and not too much carbon dioxide cuz steven had no trouble in the you know handship from jailbreak but, you know, we don't even know that because we do have some inklings that maybe Steven doesn't actually need to breathe and only thinks he does. Again, mysteries upon mysteries, this show. We didn't know what we were getting into, but we're all trapped by the mystery. We have to solve it, even though we know that when we solve it, the solution will give us two more mysteries. And that is why I love Steven Universe. Of course, it's also a very fun show. I love the art style, very, very, very good comedy as well. And what action sequences we do get are quite worthy. They, uh, it's not an action series, but they do, they do, uh, they do keep things interesting. Like, I, I, I do wonder though, did Lapis, how much did Lapis know Steven was a gem? She seems to, she seems to understand his affiliation with the Crystal Gems as a member as soon as she's pulled out. Despite the fact that he looks very human, and, you know, she, the only reason she asks, but you're a crystal gem, isn't because he looks human, it's because he freed her. And as, as I said already, that's not exactly something she would expect any crystal gems to do 
Although I do wonder how much of that has to do with them only caring about the Earth and not about other gems. Like I said, it depends. Do Does the homeworld use gems to power objects, or is that a crystal gem only thing? We know that the homeworld has, in the past, used gem shards to create to create soldiers. And, you know, as I have hypothesized in the past, maybe even prematurely ended the lives of some gems to get more shards. Or at least that would explain why, when you try to put together a whole army of them, that they aren't that happy to be following orders. Almost like they feel betrayed. But again, that's all, that's all heavy-grade speculation. We don't really have too much to go on. We, we, we just have to hope for more answers and the mysteries that will be uncovered by those answers. So I guess next week, hopefully, there will be more than just me. We will be talking about the second part of this two-part, you know, mid-season pre-finale, which is, which is what I think we should always call them, because, you know, let's face it, if it's good enough for Under the Knife, it's good enough for everything. But until next week, I'm GC13. Thank you all for listening. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.